0: Well, the last half hour, we spoke with Alex Menoshka, and the reason why is because he was on air with us the night, the moment that Russia launched its invasion of Ukraine six months ago tomorrow, six months ago tonight. And our question for you tonight was, do you remember where you were when a huge world or Canadian event took place? We had some good answers. Um, it was 9-11. We watched planes hit the buildings in the library at my school that very day, said Craig. Uh, September the 11th, I was listening to Gord Whitehead on 6.30 Chet in the morning. He sounded shocked. Uh, at first. We all were, of course, Sarah in St. Albert said. And Catherine in Surrey says, I was being checked into a woman's shelter, fleeing a war of an abusive marriage. Uh, applause for that. Uh, I was watching the plane fly into the second tower. Wow, in real time as it happened. Talk about an imprint on your memory. I remember that day vividly. I was in a newsroom when the first plane went in, and then on the American border, just about when the second plane hit. Um, but we're talking, of course, about uh, today's six months since russia's invasion its full-scale invasion of ukraine uh and the sun is rising on independence day in ukraine today it marks obviously the six months since russia's invasion of its neighbor triggered a war that has already seen thousands killed including many civilians billions flee the fighting both internally and to others to other countries it will not be a day of defiance at least not public displays of defiance on the streets authorities have canceled independence day celebrations in kiev and around the country there's widespread concern about russian missile attacks on civilians to mark the day uh, the u.s state department has even issued a security alert warning that russia could launch strikes against ukraine's civilian infrastructure and government facilities telling u.s citizens in the country to get out now so what is the mood in kiev right now and how are people looking back at the last six months and ahead to whatever lies there Joining me now from Kyiv is Kira Rudik. She's a member of the Ukrainian Parliament and head of the Golosh party. Thank you so much for your time. Welcome back. Hello, thank you
1: so much for having me.
0: So tell me about the atmosphere as we head into uh, Independence Day. Always a big event, but I know this year it's a little bit different.
1: Well, of course, this year uh, we are all concerned because we are warned by our intelligence teams, international intelligence teams and uh, our uh, army representatives that Putin will increase his attacks and potential attacks on Kyiv. We know that tyranny uh, is very uh, sticking to the uh, symbolic dates. So we have seen that Putin increased his attacks on, uh, I think, 10th day of war, then hundreds day of war, then a month of war, then uh, on the time when Ukraine received candidacy to EU, then on uh, our day of constitution, and uh, n- now we are getting into both Independence Day and six months of war. So he, of course, would want to use it uh, as a, as a symbolic gesture, and we are afraid that it will be a symbolic gesture of killing more and more Ukrainians. Today, I was uh, at lunch and I can tell you many, uh, many stores and uh, cafes were closed for 23rd and 24th uh, of August uh, for the sake of uh, people being safe and for the sake of people being able to leave Kyiv. So there is not too many people who stayed but on krishatik on the main street uh, we are right. putting promise to have a parade on like, the first week of war we have this fantastic exhibition of destroyed russian weapons and uh, machine wars and there's so many people uh, walking around taking pictures with their kids uh, uh, this is the parade that we have this year it's different than what we had but it's also a celebration of that after 6 months We are still here. After six months, we are alive and we are ready to fight and we are fighting back and we are having some victories.
0: That's what I wanted to, you know, that's what I want to uh to have you tell me about. I mean, when we first spoke, it was all, you know, the war was new. Uh we didn't know what was gonna happen. Six months has passed. It seems it seems incredible in some ways that six months has passed, but you're right, you know, there was a victory parade planned for those very roads, that very street uh, that never happened. When you look back now over the six months, uh, what co- what do you reflect upon in terms of the ability of Ukraine to defend itself and, and just how this war has evolved?
1: Uh, well, from not knowing what the war is and how it would affect our lives and where is our place in this war, we all turn to knowing Uh, and having to make the decisions of what to do and how to plan your life. And we were actually, nobody actually was expecting that Putin will start bombarding Kyiv and will be destroying uh, major Ukrainian cities. And uh, nobody had thought that there will be atrocities in Bucha and Irpin. But somehow we managed to go through it, be united as, uh, as ever and Um, and move forward. Ukrainians and Ukrainians have shown not just uh, unexpected resolve and ability to resist. We knew that it was in us, but there, there was many more. The way that we are uniting together to get money for Ukrainian army, the way that politicians are working together despite all the differences to show the united front and be team Ukraine. The way uh, the international community is standing behind us and people are still coming to fight uh, on our side. Uh, The way how the world reacts right now to the steps that the tyranny takes trying to attack the free world. So, you know, as I said, nobody actually uh, learns at the university how to be anybody like during the war you don't know how to be a teacher during the war a doctor during the war a parent during the war a member of parliament during the war but at some point you learn and you get it and the main point is that we are not asking this question why like why did they attack why are they acting like as animals we are asking uh, this question like what are we doing what am I doing to protect my family, my city and my country? And what am I going to be doing tomorrow to bring victory closer? This is the turning point for our nation in growing up in terms uh, of that we appreciate and respect the help and support that we are receiving. But we also know that it is on us to defend uh, our country, protect our uh, people and restore our sovereignty.
0: And for you, as a politician, I mean, as a public figure, um, I guess one of the things that's been most uh, marking for the for President Zelensky as well is that no one has left Kiev, no one has no one has left the country, no one has gone away. I mean, you, I know you've done a bit of traveling since, but really, most people who are responsible for running the country have stayed put all the way through, and that must send a very important message to the people of the country as well.
1: The message is very clear. This is our land. We are not going anywhere. We are here to protect it. We are here to um, fight it, uh, to fight for it with our lives, if necessary. And I think this is an important message that has the recall in in the hearts of every Ukrainian and many people of the world as well. Right now, uh, there is uh, we, we are actually standing in front of very complicated future, uh, autumn and winter. And that's why we are, again, uh, finding an answer to a question like where I will be the most useful, what I can do to help my country the most. And this is how my uh, job as politician evolved from staying in Kyiv, being with my people, making sure that we have things organized here, uh, going through the potential siege, organizing the territorial defense, up to the thing okay now we need money we need international support and there uh, i am uh, traveling and making sure that we will get uh, the support that we need right now my main concentration is unfreezing russian assets of Russian bank and Russian oligarchs and using them for the sake of Ukraine. We know that in autumn and winter, it will be hard not only for Ukrainians, it will be hard for the whole democratic world. And uh, we expect that it will be hard for the countries to continue the support on the same level as we had it before. And this is why we need to figure out where to get more money. And I'm saying we have this money, we have them, it's right there. We just need an ability and a legal uh understanding of how to take it putin should be paying for his war not uh, our allies not uh, people who are supporting us
0: I'm speaking with Kira Rudik. She's a member of the Ukrainian parliament, head of the Golosh party. We're talking about Independence Day, which uh, is coming up on Wednesday. It is also the six-month mark of the war, of the invasion, the further invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And we're talking about both uh, what awaits in the very near future, as in this week, but also what Ukraine needs ahead. As uh, Kira was mentioning, we're heading into fall and winter, it, uh, this will be a new phase of this war. It doesn't look like the war is going to end uh, anytime soon. When we come back, we'll talk about more about what Kira would like to see countries like Canada do. The German chancellors in Canada this week, the NATO Secretary General is here on Wednesday. What message does she have for them? That's next. My guest is Kira Rudik. She's a member of the Ukrainian parliament and head of the Golosh party. She's speaking to us tonight from Kyiv as uh, the Ukrainian capital gets set for what will be a quiet independence day this year under fears of further Russian attacks. It's also, of course, uh, the six months, uh, six month date, or the marks six months since Russia's invasion of Ukraine or further invasion of Ukraine. Uh, Kira, what message do you have for our leaders now. The German Chancellor is here in Canada this week, so is the NATO Secretary General. Obviously, you know our Prime Minister. Uh, What do you want Canadian leaders, other leaders and Canadians to know about what Ukraine needs now? Because it feels like everything is moving into a different phase.
1: So, there are three words that explain what Ukraine needs. Weapons, money and sanctions. Uh, Sanctions against Russia. We need weapons because you see that on the day 180 and uh, we are fighting not differently than on the day one with the same resolve, with the same uh, ability to uh, fight back. But right now you see more and more victories of Ukrainian army and this is because we finally started receiving the weapons that our allies promised us a while ago. So whatever weapons you have or plan to produce, we do need it. We are taking everything, whatever you are sending us, we are gladly take because we cannot be um, facing Russians empty handed. Second point is money. Right now, we have $5 billion a month, a gap in Ukrainian budget. And we are not like overspending or spending like it on some programs. It's just like our uh, uh, wartime being and we will need it more and more, and we don't see how we can cover for that. And the third point is sanctions. When people are asking us, okay, so when do you think the war would end? My question is usually, well, do you think the sanctions started working? And many people think that, oh, already Russia suffers, but it is not true. The real sanctions that is that will be like a real hit, the uh, embargo on Russian oil will only start working in 2023. And before that, we are fighting to win this time. We are basically winning it with the blood of Ukrainian people, Ukrainian soldiers, men and women who are brave and who are fighting the evil back. So these are the three things. You know, we are uh, able to identify it very easily right now when we are saying, "Okay, we know definitely that Russia will do something on the independent day, right? We know that they will probably increase the attack. So what do we do? And the answer is terrifying because when we as politicians, we are saying like, what do we do? We say, okay, we tell people to hide. We tell the whole country to hide because in six months, we still do not have the ability to make sure that people will be safe anywhere in the country. And this is the tragedy, and this is why we need more weapons, more air force protection, so we can say, okay, yes, people, uh, we know that Russia will be attacked, please pay attention to the air raid sirens, but generally we know that we will be able to fight them back, we cannot say that, and this is very frustrating, because right now, even right now in Kyiv, I'm like saying, like, what am I going to do? Well, I can tell you I will do the same as 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 every other day. I will hide if there will be Air Force uh, air raid sirens and if there will be attacks, and we will pray to God, obviously, hoping that things will be okay. But generally, the uh, the turning point of the war will be when we will be able to say, this, this, this city and region are absolutely safe.
0: Yeah, as you point out, there is no... Not a single part of Ukraine that is safe right now, safe from Russian attack.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and this is terrifying because my, I have my family that right now is in the western Ukraine. And they all, uh, they all terrified, same way as we are in Kiev, same way as people in Kharkiv, everywhere. Because we know that Russians are bombarding different, uh, different areas and they are able to do that with the wide-range weapons. And this is why we do need wide-range weapons as well, to find them back there, to make sure that we destroy their ability to attack us.
0: Do you worry at all about the fact that perhaps the West is just giving Ukraine enough not to lose, but not enough to win? And that slowly but surely people in other parts of the world start to turn their eyes away from this sort of awful situation you're describing right now, this sort of reign of fear that exists alongside this reign of defiance that we've seen since the beginning?
1: It's uh, hard to tell uh, with the amount of weapon supplies, because as I said, right now, we are only receiving the supplies that, um, that and, and weapons that were, we were promised like three months ago, two months ago. So we see the increase in the amount of weapon support. What we want to see and what would be a good indication of, uh, um, of uh, the support from the Western allies would be like another package of sanctions and uh, a resolution on the situation on the Zaporizhia nuclear plant.
0: Right. That
1: would be the good indicator, not the weapon supplies political uh, season will start in September where the Congress uh, or US Congress, uh, uh, Canadian Parliament and UK Parliament will be reopened and it will be a good point to see where is the Ukraine on uh, uh, on their um, uh, priority list. And I do want to see it in top three priorities. I obviously understand that uh, the energy crisis, economic crisis, they are all uh, critical for the people and the local governments. But we should not forget that up till right now, nobody has the answer to what to do if Ukraine will fail. We will try not to fail. We will do everything possible and impossible not to fail. But for us to be able to complete that, you cannot turn your eyes away. Because then you, because if you do that, then you have to have a clear answer of what you are going to do if Ukraine fails.
0: A last question, Kira. How are you? I mean, it's been six months now. I know how many interviews you've done. I know how much work you've done. Uh, you must be tired. Uh, tired and, and, in, and invigorated at the same time. Tired and energetic at the same time.
1: I feel like I'm doing everything that I can and that I'm effective at what I'm doing. And I appreciate the opportunity to be talking to people from all over the world, thanking them for the support and asking for more. I do believe people need to know what is going on, need to know the truth. And I'm extremely grateful that uh, I'm the the voice that is telling this. So thank you for this opportunity.
0: Kira Rudek, as always, thank you so much. Stay safe. And I look forward to
1: speaking to you again. Thank you and glory to Ukraine.